Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Good evening, Khuyanant, Mulweni, and a hearty welcome to the Shahida Kali Show. And so as a part of our series in which we're focusing on blended families or step families, we again have Annie Jolivet de Oliveira in the studio, and she is here representing FAMSA. Now, FAMSA st- um, stands for family south africa so you know the focus of famsa really is to work with families and they do work a lot with step families and uh, and its challenges and step families are often these days referred to as blended families so good evening and welcome to the program annie Hi, Shahida. It's lovely to be with you again. Thank you. So last week, and I think I had a question where um, the person had actually just asked, can you speak about the ex-mother-in-law and how an an ex-mother-in-law can bring negativity into the the new marriage? So let's, you know, give the scenario. So, So there's been husband and wife and children. The wife died, and then the husband married a new wife. So she comes into the family. There are children of the deceased wife and and dad, and now they're having difficulty with the the deceased wife's mother, mm-hmm. um, having difficulty adjusting and accepting the new bride and you know, influencing the children very negatively. Your thoughts and gu- and some guidance on that, please. Sure, that, that is such a, a complicated um, situation. Yeah. But the important thing is that we, we who are in the adult phase, mm-hmm. we the adults, so however difficult and painful it is to see somebody, in inverted commas, replace your daughter mm-hmm. who has died, yeah. However difficult, we have to be the adults. We have to dig deep, be prayerful, get support from a, a, an inner circle, a network, and and just be that bigger person. Um, yeah, it's 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 really for us to support in that period of adjustment, and and it's hard. It 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 would be hard for the deceased's mother. Um, especially when there's been a death, because it's not like it was decided and chosen. That would have naturally have happened. Whereas if it was a blended family coming out of a divorce, um, you can compete with that other parent. Um, But when somebody's deceased, you you can't compete. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that the mothers... The, the grandmothers, the mother-in-laws of the deceased um, 
really think what is best for that family because the husband of their daughter, who's now deceased, um, he also deserves happiness. It is hard because it's the husband and that next wife choosing each other. It's not the mom-in-law or the mother choosing the bride yes. for the husband who's left. Yeah. And the children themselves also aren't really a part of that decision. Yeah. It's, it's an adult love between that new couple. So and, like, and, like, and like we touched on last session, um, is that it's, it's that adjustment period and it's so late and so difficult. It isn't easy. And also, I think when the mother-in-law uh, or the, the mother of the deceased's uh, wife, when that mother feels not quite happy about the choice, and remember that this new lady is now going to be mothering her grandchildren. And so there could be a lot of unhappiness in regard to that. But ultimately, I think, you know, one, one needs to move toward what would be good and in the interest of the children as well so would it be better to support this new wife and to try and bring those children closer to the new wife instead of coming between them and that would not be in the interest of the children in any case i i, I feel in a situation like that it would be really good to go and have one or two counseling sessions it doesn't have to be a long-term counseling journey yes but just to open up conversation around what do you like in each other what are you uncomfortable with and what are your concerns the the concerns in this instance being the mom-in-law um yeah they 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 possibly could be really valid so she maybe would do well to have them heard yeah um respectfully mm -hmm. to all parties so again, it's about getting opinions and concerns out in the open. Yeah. But you, you referred to at the beginning of our chat about gains and losses, mm -hmm. and we need to bear that seesaw in mind. So there are losses, but let's try and look for the gains. Let's try and be positive. In every single one of us, there are strengths. Yeah. And yes, we need to be kept in check with where we are weak and where we fail ourselves and each other. But let's build where there is common ground, where there are things that we like in each other. And like we've said in your previous programs on this theme, um, it's not a process that can be rushed. There's no quick love or quick blend. Um, I, I actually like the old phrase for when two families come together in marriage, having had previous um, family identities, and that is the step parenting, the step family, because as much as we thrive and strive for the blended scenario, we are stepping in. It is, to a large extent, unknown territory in terms of dynamics, even in terms of knowing all the new family members. That takes time. And every child in family units like this are a reminder of the past relationships. How hard must that be? Mm -hmm. um, and yet there are happy stories. I mean, years and years ago, Femina actually ran um, a story of a family that I knew in our community, and they gladly gave their permission where they were a case of being happily divorced ever after, yeah. which it, it almost sounds um, irreverent to say that. Um, and I am a 
pro-marriage, pro-keeping-the-family-together woman. Yes. But um, in their instance, they'd married really young, outgrown each other. It had become a loveless marriage. Yeah. And it actually took a lot of courage to say, we're actually friends. Mm-hmm. We're young enough to get out. They did have a child. Yeah. Um, both remarried. But it was such a lovely friendship that they decided we can all be happy together. So it's, it's, it's a very unique setup, that particular case, where to this day, they still holiday together. They don't seem to get tired of each other. They, they really are that story that says a blended family can end up being a healthier family yeah. than the previous one you were a part of. Yeah, and that is really so encouraging. And I really, I've, I've seen that happening as well. Um, I want us to speak about, um, again, going to having to refer to them as ex-family, but it's actually, but it's actually not quite ex-family. Now, let's sketch the scenario. You've got, again, a deceased mom. So mom and dad married, d- mom dies. There are adult married children Mm -hmm. and then a new wife comes into the scenario who also has married children because they are you know kind of in their 40s or 50s or something like that and then um, the difficulty of those uh, the children of the deceased mom accepting the new wife of their father and um, because of unresolved grieving perhaps mm. or whatever the the challenges and and sometimes there would be challenges as in um, I don't want my dad to give my, his new wife more than or anything that looks different to what he would have given my mom. You know, so there's that whole pull and push in that regard as well. Now, we have a scenario in which mom and dad was married, mom then died, and uh, the the adult married children is having difficulty with a dad's new wife. Very often centered around the dad is very good with his new wife and perhaps the children feel that he wasn't as good with his first wife or with their mother. He's giving the new wife things he might not have given their mom. And I think we must bear in mind, I'd like you to speak about it, Annie, in terms of, you know, when, and I think in a previous program we mentioned it, that in a first marriage, often people learn things in their second marriage they kind of do it better that's the one thing and financially very often in the first marriage by the second marriage you are financially more able to give things to your second wife what you might have loved to give but couldn't give to the first wife so your thoughts on that and some guidance please and i think even for the spouse who is doing it better second time round, mm. privately they could have regrets and feel you know if only i'd given this of myself to my first wife yeah um i know of a couple who are in their second marriage and have successfully blended their children in this marriage and they talk quite openly about what went wrong in each of their first marriages Mm -hmm. and the husband would say that he realizes that his cycling um when he was in the first marriage went to a very high competitive level and it had him quite absent from the home and he realizes looking back 
he was in pursuit of his own interests, own love in the sport. Yes. And neglecting his first wife at such a crucial phase of adults with with children. Mm-hmm. So she was left through all those early parenting years, basically single parenting, yeah. with him getting up early, coming home late, training, going away on weekends, weeks for all the big races. Yeah. So it wasn't intentional on his part. But like you say, with the maturity that he has and looking back with the hindsight, his mistakes are clear to him. But it's it's a season done. Yeah. And he embraces the one he's in now. Yeah. So so I'm looking at it from the other side, like the regrets that we could all have. Yeah. But um you make such a good point of how even financially, once you're in that middle life phase or near to it, you generally are more financially established. Yes. And the children can see that as just being now so easy, mm-hmm. but mom had it so hard or dad had it so hard. Yeah. Also, the, the family that you talk about, those children sound like they're fully in their adult phase. Yes. So their personalities are more established. Their patterns of behavior, their rules um, of do's and don'ts with what's socially acceptable, what isn't. Um, they really will be their mother's child and their dad's child. So how does that new mother ever fit in? Mm -hmm. And it would be nice if they could just soften their attitude a bit. It does remind me of a case where a mum died quite early at the age of 37 going on 38, had four children. The eldest two were sort of at the 19, 17-year-old age group, and then she had two younger ones who were eight and 12 more or less. Um, but the second child mm-hmm. really resented the stepmom who came in yeah. um, for similar reasons that mm-hmm. you cited where, mm-hmm. sure, mom had it tough and how can you replace mom with this woman? And I think what also didn't help is that the the new wife was a very wealthy woman. Yeah. So she had a daughter that came with her and her daughter had much more spoilings than the family that that mother and child were entering. Yeah. The, other, the, the three other children were fine, but that second child, for whatever reason, wasn't. Much, much later in her life, looking back, um, she is probably more invested in that stepmom now, being a mom herself, having got divorced herself, yeah. realizing how difficult this adjustment period is. Yes. She, she is giving that stepmom the love now, and it's not too late. Yeah. So, oh, it's difficult. Yeah, it's, it's that that adjustment period is so difficult and there's no time limit. It could be a few months of resentments of competing with your stepmom or children, the new ones with the established family units. Um, and that can go on for years. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a child acting out and in that adult phase, not attending dinners, letting down the stepmom at the last minute and kind of passively letting her anger be known to that new mother. Yes. So it's a very, very full subject that you bring up. It it really is, and it's there are no easy answers. I think no. it's really people, and and therefore therapy is so helpful because mm. people will have the support of a therapist that helps them th- work through their own things and and what it really is about. Because each case is specific to its own, isn't it? And like you say, in the therapy session, the therapist does take a neutral stance yeah. and lots of deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Because when you're hearing each family member's experience, that, that pain can be felt by the therapist themselves. 
Um, but, but the beauty of therapy is that you are heard and in reflecting back what you're hearing, it helps the other members to get an understanding of what each member is going through. And each of us will possibly come from a slightly different perspective, yes. be honing in on slightly different feelings, yeah. good or bad. Um, but they get heard. And with that, the therapist would help unpack that and have understanding. So even though the sessions might be difficult, um, here and there you might leave feeling unresolved mm -hmm. or feeling more angry. Um, to remember what you're feeling, log it down and take it to the next session because yeah. you will get through it. These sort of, if I can say, horrible phases of adjustment don't last forever. Yeah. Therapy can accelerate the healing um, just because it's a neutral person helping us hear each other and mediate that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I think, you know, one also the acknowledgement that it's always a process. It doesn't just get resolved exactly. in one go, in one session, etc. The other thing, too, that one experiences is you go into a marriage and sometimes you might not have had many difficulties, but as you you know engaging with the lived experience suddenly everyone's feeling their own feelings and then it suddenly doesn't feel all that happy or all that nice and you're shocked and you think oh well have i made the wrong decision and you know i, I always say please never think you made the wrong decision let's just see this as um all of the adjustment and everyone's feelings and let's not give up the hope let's work through this and find a way to make things better it takes bravery yeah and it teaches us to lean on each other and the new members in the family as well um parents coming in will have their own backgrounds their mm -hmm. own rules on disciplining their own parenting style and sometimes when you marry in like that you might not realize just how different you are on yeah. some issues. And between the new parents that are now married to each other, there can be disagreements. And so sometimes it's great that parents in that situation go into counsel without the children. Yeah. Because it's so helpful if as parents we can be in agreement and be that cliched united front and have less disagreements in front of the children and rather keep that for session mm -hmm. where you help to understand each other and find some bridging, some agreements and compatibility. Yeah. Even, yeah. even if it's agreeing to some neutral point and kind of bringing in a new set of rules. Yes. And I think, you know, when you're having a blended family, certainly there has to be room of a new set of rules. But that brings me to the next scenario where mom and dad, see uh, the, the first marriage um, ended up in divorce. And now there would be an adolescent child, let's say an adolescent um, daughter, a new wife comes in. And, the, and if that child was let's say the woman of the house yeah the how sensitive would you recommend that situation um is to be handled to try not to push this child out of the house where she decides no i don't want to be here so it's very difficult because the the new mom will come in with her new set of rules i think it's so important for the couple that is now going to marry and have a new family unit created 
um, to actually have premarital counsel for themselves, mm -hmm. but also to have premarital counsel for the children. Yeah. So that all these things and fears and clash of roles um, and then talking boundaries and forming ideas around what kind of family do they want to be and that it's not going to be exactly the same as the ones that they were in before. Mm -hmm. um, so to be real, it's not all exciting. Yeah. And I, I, I keep thinking of the word fear mm -hmm. because that's what I hear a lot in session. Fears can make things feel much bigger than they need be. Yeah. And talking them in a premarital counseling lot of sessions can just um, help normalize that um, realistically, not pretending it's going to be nice and easy. Yeah. Um, and, and just help that bridging in to the marriage to be a little bit easier. So that's a few months before you actually have maybe two sessions a month. So yes. it's gentle. And then maybe to continue one session a month for the first six months of that yeah. marriage. And then it might be that one child says, I actually find sessions to make help me feel safe. And yeah. my parents can't hear me right now, but I can be heard. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is that sometimes when you're coming into a marriage with your children and the person that you're marrying with their children, you don't mean to have bias towards your own. But there's that cliched saying, blood is thicker than water. Mm -hmm. um, not to just throw that out there, but, yeah. but that comes up for me now where there is that loyalty. Yeah. Each, each of those families that are joining do have their own history. Yes. Um, they've gone through loss of sorts, so they mm -hmm. are going to be tighter than before the loss in all likelihood. Absolutely. And I mean, I see, you know, I had a discussion today. I see this happening that if in the new blended family there are difficulties, normal difficulties, the, the most natural thing would be for the children to move towards the biological parent or even the biological parent to become more protective over their own children. And that's particularly so if it is a young relationship and a young marriage. Ten years down the line, you might not find me and my children and you and your children, but there'll be a lot more blending and a lot more new loyalties, lovely loyalties that would have formed. But I want to come to another scenario where um, we spoke about, you, you refer to differences that the adults might have. And of the differences that stand out for me that could be problematic or a challenge is when there are different parenting styles. So both parents with their own children come into a marriage, but they have different parenting styles. Your thoughts on that and the conversations that would be helpful for the parents to have, please. And, and that you can approach in many ways. Again, I think premarital counseling it would be wise to cover this aspect in that and work out what your parenting style is and what the person's parenting style is that you're marrying um, and to allow for that. But if it isn't successful once you are all living together, then that would have to be reworked. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that is a tough one. It is a tough one, but mm. I think, and again, it asks for openness, mm. conversation, respect of the other, and really knowing that we are in the beginning with the adjustment, we are going to disagree. So can we be open to this is a period of adjustment? I feel, I feel where 
parenting style is too strict. Mm. That's not healthy. But an even more unhealthy parenting style, in my opinion, is the one that gives an easily yeah. and gives to too much freedom. Yeah. So, so for if if a couple do find that they kind of polarize there, mm-hmm. it's going to benefit them both to go to counsel and learn how to be somewhere in the middle. Yes. Where they're united, they know what their rule book is all about. Mm-hmm. It's with reason, comes with discussion, and things are talked through. So like you said, to keep the communication open. Yeah, and and that's when I think it would be useful for parents to then sit down with children and say, you know, we are going through a process. I mean, let's be open about it. And of the things that we're discovering is our parenting styles are different. We are now thinking it would be good to have to do it this way or that way and speak with the children about Mm -hmm. that. Sometimes children will come up with ideas for parents and say, you know, we could perhaps consider this or that. And that's where family counseling sessions or even a family meeting within that new family unit is so helpful to give each other a turn, not take things personally, but just to take turns in voicing what it is you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to take commercial news. When we come back, we'd like to touch on being fair towards children so that, you know, in in terms of that there shouldn't be or there should be mindfulness against differential treatment of children. There's been a request that we must share FAMSA's um, contact details, and I will give those details after I, I would imagine it would be easier for me to give those details after the the prayer time of Isha because we're going to run out of time. We have two more minutes left over in the program. I think I really would like to just have your final thoughts in terms of how important it is to go into this marriage with a sense of justice and fairness towards all the children in the family, Annie. Um. Yeah, sure. I think I think you have to be respectful. You have to realize that you're stepping into each other's lives. It's like you've said to have that open communication. And again, as the parent in that parent role, you are the adults. Mm-hmm. Um, a message you said came through earlier on talking about how feelings can feel up and down for you as the parent, mm-hmm. whether it be post-divorce, post-death, or in this new family unit, the blended yes. family. Yeah, and that's okay. Because not every day is going to be good. Even when life isn't testing you, you can still have your ups and downs. If it's persistent, if you wake up feeling a knot in your tummy, a real depressive mood, a lack of interest in your work and your day, it's affecting your eating, your sleep, then clearly you should get into therapy and just be assessed for depression. Yeah. Where is your level of anxiety at? Because possibly talking it and being supported will help you be contained Mm -hmm. so you don't want to get it to a point where your sad or angry feelings are in control of you it is good to get that balance where you're able to manage them yeah just um, just a thought and i'm going to break your thought i think we need to only hand over at 58 50 (laughs) 56 which means we have a good few minutes to talk and i'm actually very glad (laughs) so 56 i better write it down so let's get back to you know in the break you mentioned 
You know, when people are holding on to, and very often parents will believe that their parenting style is the correct one. It's the one that works. But you explained it so nicely if you kind of have a framework. Yeah. Speak with us about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I just feel, just take, it's a cliche thing of one day at a time, one week at a time. We're allowed to have different seasons. Um, and just to have a loose framework before you go into the marriage to actually talk how you've brought up your children, how you envisage you to be parenting together in this new family unit, what you've observed about each other's children, and not to take it personally. Mm-hmm. If their concerns brave it, go into a therapeutic situation, talk it. Yes. Because early intervention is excellent. Yeah. So, so embrace that. But just to have that loose framework and then your give and take in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, um, I heard a story a little while back about a couple who were divorced about five years ago. Mm-hmm. The father has, is internationally involved as a businessman, so he's yes. out the country a lot. So the daughter is mostly with the mother. Mm-hmm. The mother is firm, and the child really knows boundaries with that mum. Yes. The dad is a lovely guy, well-meaning. Yeah pretty much agrees with the mother's parenting style. Mm-hmm. But when he comes back in and has the daughter, yes. um, it's obviously a really romantic honeymoon period mm-hmm. and it's almost like a lot more can go yes. in a sense, but not yeah. but not to a point of bad parenting. Anyway, um, it got to a point where this daughter, five years on from seven, was now 12, um, asked to be dropped off at a mall mm-hmm. um, to go and watch a movie with a group of friends who yes. were girls. And the father didn't sit in at a uh, cafe or restaurant, trusted the daughter, because she'd always been trustworthy up until that point, and said, so you're going to go see the movie, let me see the tickets, um, I'll pick you up at this time. Um, little did he know that they didn't go see the movie, got an Uber to a party in the area. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There was a raid on the party because <gasps> it was underage and there was oh, drinking. Yes. Interestingly enough, an auntie of hers, who was part of the neighborhood watch, yes. drove past, saw her niece, told the father and yes. the mother, and so there was great exposure. Yes. Not to the delight of the child. Yeah. But be careful because when you enter that teenage period, yes. Um, some children will push the boundary more of than course. others. And in of that course. case, not necessarily her alone, but there was that group dynamic. And she was chancing it. Yeah. She knew her dad was the softer one. Yes. So, and yet he, he is generally a parent who is like the mum, but obviously yeah. isn't with her as 24-7 as the mother. And she worked that out, gapped it. And fooled him, <laughs> but thank goodness for that auntie. Yeah. So, so oh, grandmothers, <laughs> aunties, uncles, we yeah. we need you to help this new blended family yeah. as well. You know, but I think you know I would usually say, sweet man. <laughs> she was just a child who was chancing it, yeah. and I think it's wonderful if there's a learning opportunity yeah. and and you know good could come from the situation. But yeah, it makes me smile. So we've had a. Um, a message that we'd received and this message says if you're going into if you're planning to go into a second marriage and you really know that you cannot accept the children as your own or it's difficult to love them like some people some adults would say I don't like 
the child or I you know really there's a lot of animosity that they should rather not take the step what are your thoughts I think that's such a good point mm -hmm. and and there is argument to be had is that maybe you're going to have to sacrifice that perceived love with the person that you could marry because is it really going to be helpful to everyone in the family yeah on the other side you're not going to have your children with you forever mm -hmm. and it's your second chance to find happiness yeah so again the therapist in session ideally would have to unpack that yeah not decide for the couple yes but th that that is definitely an argument for premarital counsel mm -hmm. and I, I I can hear what the listener is saying and I think yeah. I think it's quite virtuous it's it's a very good point mm -hmm. for me I probably wouldn't marry that person of ours in that situation yeah because that child has a whole life ahead of them yeah yours already comes with some damage mm -hmm. would you not to put all the blame on you, but would you want this new marriage to have such a negative impact? Um, but again, in therapy, you could try working that relationship. Yeah. It might not end up being as difficult as you think. Yeah. Um, there's, there's another scenario that comes to mind for me of someone that I counseled who ended up marrying her sister's husband. Mm -hmm. The sister had divorced the husband. She'd had an affair okay. in their marriage. Yeah. And... The, the sister that ended up marrying this husband yes. is getting all complicated. Yeah. So goodness gracious for the people who do marry and you can just see how it's who's who in I all know. these, I know. It's these family units. But let's, let's just put it like this. The older sister yes. was the one who married the same guy the second time. Okay. Okay. Um, when the divorce happened, she was overseas mm -hmm. and she wasn't close to this brother-in-law. Yeah. When she came back, they had a lovely friendship. But it's really, now that they're married, it wasn't what the younger sister ever envisaged. Yes. And although she didn't want to be married to that guy, yeah. it's too hard for her now to have a sister married to him. And they've lost a, a sister relationship, relationship. Which, which is so sad. And looking yeah. back, she feels, should she have married? Had she known this, she yeah. thought her sister would accept it because her sister had chosen the divorce. Yes. But it's just too close. So yeah. these are all very sensitive, all the complex individual complex situations. Yeah. yeah, and and I know that we have uh, probably one minute left over. Uh, there is the other scenario where there was husband and wife, and the wife died, and a sister then marries. So the auntie marries the husband and then rears her nieces and nephews. Very often you see that to be a great success because the auntie has a natural love for those children. Sure. So that's often, you know, often you, you kind of think you wish that that can happen sure. because it will be a lot easier. Yeah. Annie, we have to say goodbye for now and probably we have one more session that we're going to be doing um, in or, or one more episode of yes. our program <laughs> in next week week um, on a Wednesday evening so I just need to say thank you very much after the break I'll give people the contact details thank you and good evening have a great week thank you very much and good night to everybody out there thank you so much it was Annie Jolivet de Oliveira of FAMSA <coughs> Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM.